This to me was more of a like, hey man, we're normal people like you are. I'm not up. I'm drunk. And then when I'm done with that, I put Vaseline actually <laughs> around the edges. Welcome. Welcome everyone to Top's Daily Grind. This is episode number 140. And we are here with Tayan. Is that how you is that yes. pronouncing that right? Okay. So we're here with Tayan and he is from Australia? Uh, yeah, raised in the UK, born in Australia. Nice. Over here from Australia. Awesome. Okay, so uh, tell us what you do. I am an astronuclear engineer. Jeez. Yeah, so it's, it's more now simple. What? More simple than it sounds. An astronuclear engineer, that's like rocket science, dude. But with nuclear stuff as yeah. well. It's like nuclear rocket science. Jeez. Yes. Mostly. We've graduated to a whole new level. Yeah, today. I don't know what to ask. We, we, everybody said bring an expert, and we brought an expert. We just don't have a topic yet. Okay, so somebody, what would a good question be? <laughs> 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 you have to start with a basic. Oh, yes. This is, a good, this is a good starting point. Okay, so somebody has never heard this term before. Yes. Well, how would you explain it to them? So, and if you could move your cup that way so we can see you. Oh, that, that's the worst idea. That's <laughs> uh, uh, nuclear technology in space. So currently there are uh, two things that we have, and they're both based on the same sort of thing. So you have a lump of uh, plutonium, uh, plutonium oxide that stays hot because it decays radioactively. And so that the when it gives off its alpha particle, it rattles around in the material, and so you just have a basically a hot rock, effectively, and then you take the heat from that and you use that to generate power. So the only nuclear part of it is the fact that it's radioactive. So that's what we have at the moment. And what they're hoping eventually to have, and have been hoping since about the 50s, to they built these things in the 50s, is a thing called a nuclear thermal rocket. So instead of burning your fuel in oxygen and then using the, the energy that you get uh, and the combustion gases to, to propel yourself, you use hydrogen or something else, and you heat it up in a nuclear reactor, and that's where your heat comes from. Okay. So it's supposed to say we built them in the 50s. We, uh, you built them in the 50s in the US, and since then, uh, it, it, a lot of it's on paper. So now with the computers that we have, we can run endless, endless simulations of different configurations and different propellants and different types of fuel and all this sort of stuff. So... It's, uh, yeah, this, this is what we do. Mostly we simulate things, and if we're very, very lucky, you could get a job at uh, Los Alamos or somewhere where they make the pellets for the uh, the hot batteries. There's one on the, the rover that's on Mars at the moment that has one. In fact, two of them. Wow. It's a little thing. That how, how dangerous is it? Like, um, what you do? I guess you could have, like, a computer monitor fall on you. That's it. <laughs> Something like Ouch. That. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, they, they tend not to let you near the radioactive stuff. As uh, I don't know whether it's because we're too valuable or whether it's just that we'd probably break something. Oh, so so people when they say uh, using nuclear for energy, mm-hmm. a lot of people are scared of because of the word nuclear. Yes, is that like is do they have a like do they have a reason to be scared or is it are I they completely just ignorant to what? I guess well, it actually is. There's two. There's always two opposing sides, and so there are the, the people who are terrified of it, and a lot of it's misunderstanding. But there are, and there are also the people who are completely for it, pro. It's the best thing we could possibly do, and they sort of don't take into account the fact that the waste is building up. Yeah. Um, in the part of the civilian power plants in the U.S., there's they generally tend to have a concrete pad, 
And so they'll take the, the fuel when it's spent, which is more radioactive. Where the fuel goes in, it's effectively non-radioactive. Very, very little radioactivity in the, in the uranium when you put it in. But then after you've finished burning it, when you've, you've done all the fission, it ends up quite hot, is the, yeah. is the term. So fairly horribly radioactive. And at that point, if you're processing that kind of stuff, you have to be behind lead glass that's like as thick as this table. It's just, it's, you don't want to be anywhere near it. Okay. And so once it's done, it's, once it's done, it becomes a problem. And the main issue is knowing where we're going to put it, which in the ideal place to put it is way, way, way underground in a salt mine because the salt is, it, uh, it moves, basically. So if you have hard rock and you have uh, an earthquake or something, it shifts and you'll get cracks. And if there's water that infiltrates, you can wash some of the, the fishing products and stuff out if you haven't encapsulated them properly. And encapsulation is a big thing. You tend to put it in glass, mm. um, a borosilicate uh, glass. The boron absorbs a certain type of the radiation. But uh, yeah, the, the main issue is not knowing where to put the waste. The waste itself is not pleasant stuff. You know. That's the stuff that uh, that breaks your cells and yeah, messes yeah. you up and we'll, gives you cancer and all that. Yeah, will destroy your DNA. But it's uh, there's as far as the fear goes, it's not. It's kind of not helped by the approach that the uh, regulatory people take at times. So there's a when you're looking at the amount of radiation you can, uh, the dose that you can take. It's assumed the model that they use is called linear no threshold. So any amount of radiation is bad for you. Yeah. That said, there's radiation in the background all the time. So airline pilots also will, because they're further up in the atmosphere and there's radiation from space all the time, they end up with a higher dose than people who just live on the ground. Mm. Also, if you live on granite or I think basalt as well, there's more, uh, I guess, trace uranium in that, so more radon and so forth that you'll get from that than if you live on a, a clay substrate so like four or five times the background dose but all this to say background doses you tend to look at in terms of like the number of chest x-rays that you can have mm-hmm. so they will limit the number of x-rays that you can have over the course of the year but it's it's comparatively high so when people think immediately as soon as you go near anything radioactive then you're immediately then everyone on the earth would be dead and there's also a phenomenon known as hormesis whereby if you're exposed to a low level of radiation continuously, you kind of, your cells, will, the DNA will repair itself. Almost so like a, the immune system gets yeah. like stronger with, when yeah. it comes with to exposure. Contact, yeah. exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> exactly. But it's, it's not a model that's commonly used. Preferred. Health and safety, we all know health and safety. And they would prefer to take a, a minimal risk uh, approach. Mm-hmm. So if they were to tell everyone that this is, if it were to be accepted that this is a thing, that exposure to small amounts of radiation is, is potentially good for you, then people would go crazy as well. Yeah. And they would assume, like, well, they'd, I've had a small amount, what if I have a little bit more? Yeah, they'd go for x-rays <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that proven, though? Or is that still, like, a hypothesis? Or? I guess it's, it's... I would say it's probably halfway. So there are... I can't remember where it is. There's a place in the world that has a higher regular background dose just from the rocks and from... I guess from the atmosphere and so forth, than anywhere else in the world. And these people have less incidence of cancer and so forth, like radiation-related illnesses, than elsewhere in the world. But there's a statistics really? is a big thing. So it's like backwards almost. Yeah, which from what you would from what you would expect, just from common knowledge yeah. about it. Yeah. And okay. If you look at the exclusion zone around Chernobyl as well. You you would 
from the, I guess, the horror stories and so forth, you would expect that everything died the minute the accident happened and nothing is alive there. And they set all these cameras up and so forth, and there's foxes and wolves and rabbits just all running around, and so it seems that they've kind of, over a course of time, the, the background level's dropped over a course of time, so but things have moved back in, and they don't seem to be suffering the, like the horrible mutations and so forth that you might expect. Is there still, like... like the ground zero area is that still pretty much just completely like, dead, or is it starting? Are things starting to grow and kind of live there again? Well, it's, it depends on. Well, there are things. There are things living inside the the concrete sarcophagus that they put over the top of the reactor. They're in, they're fungus, uh, fungi. Mm, okay. Um, but it's uh, yeah. There seem to be certain types of fungi that will use the gamma radiation that's coming off the the all the fission products and the spent fuel and so forth that's that's left in there. And that they're thriving on it. So it depends on, say, forms of life. I think the more complicated the life form is, the more likely the DNA is to be damaged. And so if you have something simple like a fungus or an, an algae or something like that, then it's it, things will adapt anywhere in the universe, I guess. Any, any conditions you can imagine, they tend to find life in. So, so the fungus that's living there, is it... Is it using that radiation? Like, is it, is it reducing it? As, as, I guess or is it just kind of like dealing with it <laughs> i think it's using it for, as an energy source it's called a radiotrophic fungus um and it seems yeah. i think it seems to be using the the gamma radiation in in a similar way that plants use light i guess okay or not, not being a, a botanist or an ecologist or anything like this oh yeah we're not a lot of things but oh, yeah. we make shit up don't worry we're just gonna nod and pretend <laughs> yeah. like we know <laughs> yes yeah, so it, it seems to be it's using some of the the radiation as an energy source it's basically just extremely high energy light so gamma is the is the deadly uh, part of, or, all, all kinds. Or there's there's more be. than it's uh, so you have gamma radiation which is high energy photons and you also have neutrons which are given off uh, there's you'll you'll find a lot of neutrons outside a nuclear reactor so you have a, a uranium nucleus you chuck a neutron at it it will then fission in a certain number of cases and what you have left over sometimes that will have too many neutrons in it and so the neutrons will kind of boil off and also that splitting will give rise to a whole bunch of neutrons as well some of which will escape the reactor so gamma and neutron are i guess they're bad because they're neutral they're they're not charged and so they tend neutrons will go straight through a thing and then once they've if they happen to be at the end of their i guess it's a bad way of putting it 15 minute lifetime but it's half life so if you have like 15 of them Seven and a half will be gone within a certain length of time, and then in the same length of time, like three and a bit will be gone, and then. Oh, that's so how that so. works. I always yeah. thought it was like if it's a fifteen-minute half-life, that means that thirty minutes is its full life. Uh, no, so it's half and half and half. It drops uh, exponentially. Oh, so. kind of like Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty <laughs> much. less less precipitously than, than yeah. Bitcoin. Uh, but yeah, so things that are neutral, neutrons will go into a thing and then they will split apart into protons and electrons which are charged and that's what does the damage to the DNA. So the reason the neutrons in particular are dangerous is because they will go far through a, some, through a thing and then decay into charged particles. Gamma rays, they're photons. So the more energetic they are, the further they go through stuff. So the harder it is to stop, uh, to stop the things from getting anywhere. And then you have charged particle radiation, which are high-speed electrons and alpha particles, which are helium nuclei. And because they're charged, they will—they do the damage as soon as they hit the thing. Um, alpha particles, however, are stopped by the skin, a bit of paper, 
something like that is enough for them to bounce really? off because they're kind of heavy. And so they're only really a hazard if you breathe them in. So radon, when you, you breathe the radon in and then it decays, it emits an alpha particle, and that's a high-speed charged particle which will ruin the inside of your lungs. Oh. But as long as it's outside, it's not touching the squamous tissue, as they say, then it will... Not to say that it's wise to go and just sort of, you know, paint yourself with radium or whatever. And just yeah. <laughs> the Victorians learned that. They thought it was good for them and then they all died of cancer. So it's, uh, yeah, not wise to eat eat radioactive materials regardless of what it is. But, yeah, different gotcha. mechanisms. Okay. Different uh, you, you heard that? Yeah. I'm okay, stop. no, you didn't. Like lead paint. Stuff <laughs> yeah, like John, yeah. you could really got to knock stop. that off. Yeah. But I had a question. So you said that you were born in Australia, raised in the UK, yep. and then back to Australia. Yep. What... What made you get a job here in the U.S.? Being what you are now, do we have something that other countries yeah. don't have? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As in, like, science-wise or uh, engineering-wise or, you know what I mean? Maybe just yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Uh, you have a – I get in trouble with the rest of the world for saying this, but you have a space program that's a way more ambitious space program than anywhere else. Okay. So these nuclear batteries, that are the, the other thing that we work on, are in Europe, they're kind of thinking maybe that they might use some of the stuff that they're – plutonium stockpile has decayed into as this kind of fuel, but it's nowhere as good as the fuel that's specifically made in the U.S. for these things. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, way more ambitious, way further out. Um, do, do you think uh, countries see that we're just another country just dumping a lot of money into something that coined the moon or whatever it is going into space? Or why are other countries doing it? Because it's costly? Because, like you said, there's no ambition? I, or Yeah, I think I feel like there's less ambition that uh, is it, if you if you want to do a thing in the U.S., it's like there's you can ask somebody why are you doing this, and they will turn around and say, well, why not? Because mm-hmm. we can. That's like Whereas, that's enough. That's a U.S. Yeah, thing. That, like that's enough of an answer. Yeah, to, that's enough of an to answer. To get funded and yep. interesting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, I always had that perspective. Like, um, why do we do? Like you said, why do we do things? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we have bigger problems that we should be solving instead of. Like, and I'm guessing that's maybe what other countries do, or like you said, maybe it's just there's that's more more logical thinking behind things besides saying. I books. feel like red tape and health and safety is also <laughs> yeah. a thing mm. elsewhere. Yeah. It's yeah. more difficult to get these things. Once you've done a thing once, mm-hmm. then you know what the risks are. Right. Whereas if you've never done the thing, then how do you know what the risks are? Exactly. And if it's excessively risky, a lot of pl- other places are very, very risk averse, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's places like, I mean, Canada's close, so they make some contributions to the space pro- uh, program. Australia's just far away from anywhere. So, like, kind of other places making inroads into it, I guess, and yeah. building rockets. And there's Rocket Lab, which are, I think they're a US company run by a New Zealander or mm. something like that. So... There's little bits and pieces going on elsewhere, but say here, it's no one else has been to the moon. Right. This is I've I had people tell me or people ask me like, why are you going to America? It's full of Americans. Before I went to the US, <laughs> I know we're so terrible. We're Mexican over here. It's, <laughs> it's uh, <That's> worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don't let damn. me start on them. <laughs> but it's yeah. It's, it's, I'm just kidding. Mexicans out there, people. Ambition is uh, friends. Family. Yeah, do, doing a thing just because you can. I think that's and then the, I guess the second part of whatever I was thinking in my head, um, and why the lab that we're, you're working at now is compared to other labs because I'm guessing they're all over the U.S. Is it like the Princeton of the Princeton or the Yales? Damn, John, with the good questions today. It's, there's yeah, not a not lot. Bad. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, not a lot of places that deal with. 
specifically with space nuclear stuff, just because okay. it's such a tiny thing, and so because all we hit, at the moment all we have are these these batteries with the with the hot radioactive rocks and heater units as well. It's so there's a limited a limited number of places that deal with that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, for uh, Idaho, you, the reason the Idaho National Lab is here in the first place is because originally it was in the middle of nowhere. Right. They were just looking for somewhere where they could build all manner of different models and types of reactor and test them out where basically no one was going to complain. Yeah, and we so, all moved around here. Well, I mean, it's still <laughs> still pretty out. There's not much out there at the moment. Because for us, like, we live here, so, like, the lab, for me, is like, oh, yeah, you're trying to make good money? Just go to the lab. Mm-hmm. Really, that's re- in reality. Yeah, most yeah. people don't know what and doesn't what even goes on. There. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It yeah, doesn't even matter saying. what the job is. Yeah. Like a janitor there makes decent money. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like for us, it's just like if you're not really into it or you don't have someone that works there, maybe. Or you're the fourth person that's been on our podcast that works there, right? Hmm. Well, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess I can't say that I work at the Idaho National Lab. So what we with the the Center for Advanced Energy Studies down in town is a. I think it's owned by, like, the building is owned by the Idaho National Lab, and but it's a consortium between the Idaho State University, Boise State, and the University of oh, Okay, it's the one that's by where my wife works, yeah. I think. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of, like, even, I guess you could say, like, outside contractors. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of my friends work not for the lab, but they work for companies that work at the lab. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. but same like like I go back to my thing like same concept for us that don't really have something to do with it. Like oh yeah, he just works at the lab or oh so, yeah. So so you don't get a so you don't get like transferred from here to say Los Alamos or I, mean, like, I guess uh, I guess you can. There's a lot of movement around I I've, I've, it's said that there are there are employees of the Idaho National Lab in like 40 of the 50 states or okay. something. Mm-hmm. Just scattered all around because people are working remotely and they're working on different contracts and I guess the facilities are elsewhere that aren't here. But uh, I think yeah. there is quite a bit of that, especially especially in the last, like since COVID, it's probably even more prevalent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Are there ever like projects where you only get like a certain amount of knowledge that you work on and that are like compar- com- how do you say it? Compartmentalized? Compartmentalized. I can't speak. I, but. I guess... The one of the things that we have at the CSNR is because there are, so I'm a foreign national, evidently, mm. and we have a lot of foreign nationals who come. Usually, it's about like a third to half of the people who are on the fellowship at any given time are from. We source from universities around the country, so uh, they'll have a either a close to a majority or almost a you know slight majority of foreign nationals. So uh, if we get set a particular project, then. The way export control works and uh, international traffic and arms regulations work is it's some of the things that you're not allowed to know as a foreign national are just ridiculous. Oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah. there'll be like a specific number that characterizes it, like the length of a thing or the exact diameter of a thing or the exact temperature or the exact alloy that you're not supposed to know. And does, so, does it affect your ability to do your job at all? Uh, no, so you build the model and you use whatever numbers you're given, oh, okay. which are usually like a little bit outside. But it's once you've built the model, all they have to do is go in and tweak and the fix the numbers, put oh, the right yeah. ones in. And but is that just because you're an outside national? But if I was had the exact same job as you, I would get the. You would you'd be allowed to, but if you were working on the same fellowship, you probably get the same. Right, okay. If you had so the same job as him, the world would be a very different place. It's oh. just... 
Okay. I think it would be more. It would be more interesting. <laughs> it probably would We're be. We're gonna get That's that true. sucker up in the air faster than you think. <laughs> so you know how you know how there's a lot of stuff. So everybody's like, "What does NASA do anyway?" Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of stuff that's made by NASA that we use every day. Mm-hmm. Is there stuff like that that we use every day that you guys have worked on, or not really? Not, not that I can think of from the Center for Space Nuclear Research, but there, there'll be things that have come out of the lab that have ended up just everywhere that you, you don't realize. I can't think of any at the moment. So there's a, there's a dude that was a NASA engineer the, that, inv- that either improved or invented the tankless water heaters that most people use today. Oh, okay. uh, that that guy mm-hmm. he was looking for a way to heat water on the space station, and mm-hmm. the things that existed at the time sucked. Like they weren't very good. So the ones that you get now, the tankless water heaters you get now, they're pretty legit. Yeah, and they're small. Like you actually get hot water out of them. Mm-hmm. That came from a NASA engineer. Yeah. So those there's are a actually, lot of offshoot technologies. You like get that. hotter water than those than the other ones because you. Yeah, I think now. I think now you do. The warnings are that you can burn yourself pretty bad if you don't know how to adjust it. Yeah, I, I remember back in the day using using some that like barely, barely even touched the water. Like it barely warmed it at all. But this guy figured out how to do it and make it hot. So that's one thing that was like an offshoot from a NASA technology. I think the cordless drill, that might have been. Oh, I think you're right. Well. I think so. There'll be all kinds of little things like battery technology and so forth that was kind of shitty at one point and then needed to be better. And so it became better and then eventually it got. Like for every dollar. Uh, this is my yay NASA speech and why we should have it. For every dollar that's spent on given to NASA to do stuff, I think they calculated they get like $6 back yeah. or something just from like the wider economy when they adopt the various technologies and so forth that develop. So Yeah, that's a pretty good reason to keep doing that. Yeah. yeah well, that, that makes a lot of sense. We're all NASA, <laughs> yeah. More yeah. Yeah, We're all NASA fans here. Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely. well, Craig and I. I don't know about John. So, I don't so think John cares. I'm part of all NASA, especially with the $6. Yeah, so so your what? main focus is on the actual like rocket type technology with nuclear, it's, or is it on the battery part? It depends on the year. Okay. So last year and the year before and the year before, we did a bunch of battery stuff. This year we've done more rocket stuff. So I mean, we started off. I guess the first year we did a bunch of rocket stuff and not so much battery stuff. It depends on who wants the who wants what work doing. Mm, gotcha. So I get a contract in and then we work on we we get we kind of do what we're told more or less. So did so did you um did you have a part in the battery that's on that rover on Mars? Uh, sadly in no. Some, in it, some of that development, it was it was already there by the oh, time we okay. got to it. But gotcha. then there's there's a lot of stuff that happens if you've. What I did my PhD on was looking at how the radiation that comes off that battery uh, interacts with the environment that it's in. Oh, okay. So they're sending a, in 2027, they'll be launching a lander to Titan, which is the oh, yeah. moon of Saturn. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be putting another one, the third one of these things that's flown, they'll be putting on that. And there's obviously a bunch of instrumentation on there. It's going to take seven years to get there, six, seven years, rather than 18 months. Mm-hmm. So over the whole phase of going out there, you've got a whole bunch of really sensitive radiation detectors and things that you use to figure out what's in the rocks and so forth. And you're continuously bombarding that with, with not only cosmic radiation that's coming in from the outside and from the sun, but also the radiation that's coming off the batteries. And so specifically, I looked at what happens if you... What happens when the thing lands and you've got this, all this radiation coming off? Is it going to upset all your instrument readings? Is it going to ruin the detectors? We don't know. 
And the ultimate answer is the great thing about research. The ultimate answer was probably not very much, but still it was worth it. <laughs> it's like such a mundane answer. It's like, nah, it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is that, yeah. is that the one where they found um, the, the like liquid blocks of life, basically? Uh, some of, yeah. Yep. That's that's like the one that organic has like the the methane lakes. Is it ammonia or like that? No. Yep. Uh, no. no. Is it methane? Methane, ethane. Yeah, methane and ethane. And yeah, you'd say methane. Tars and stuff like Craig. That. Sorry, I was, sorry I was born here. I, I say fungi and, yeah, what the and methane. <laughs> strange, <laughs> strange question. Off. Of and I say talking. aluminum. Do you say aluminium? I've, I've slowly. I'm starting to say aluminum, but I catch myself. So what I prefer is alum, aluminum. Just nice, that's, nice. That's Just to confuse all. everybody. Yeah, that's exactly. perfect. Exactly. Is so uh, hypothetical. Say you and a coworker are talking, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are talking about what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. What percentage of what you guys are talking about do you think, like somebody like Craig or me, would understand? Well, it's ouch. <laughs> ouch! <laughs> I included myself. I would understand, Dang, but you hurts. guys probably would. That hurts. So One, about two percent, and then what do you think? <laughs> One and a half. It's got to be a good fifty percent. Because uh, you know how a car engine works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, this is heat turning into useful work. Okay. So I mean, something like a, a jet engine is, <coughs> again, heat turning into useful work. So the, the nuclear side of it is just this is how you're generating the heat and the safety considerations because of the radiation. But beyond that, it's, it's conventional engineering if you replace the heat source. Oh, okay. Okay. So oh, that, that makes it sound a lot more simple. Yeah. I want to kind of add a little bit on to the whole coworker thing. Um, in my line of work, if Jeez. I have a question, there's an answer. And if I don't do it right, I understand why I didn't write because there's someone above me that told me you did that wrong. Mm-hmm. In your line of work, since you guys are trying to find something that you think that question. might work, mm-hmm. who who's above that calls the call? Like, sorry, makes the call to be like, or yes, how do you, let's do it. Or how do you, how does the person yes, that makes the call go. know that it's right? There you go. It's, uh, it's difficult, good, good to, question. difficult to know. So if it's, I guess if you're modeling something that, we, we built nuclear rockets back in the 60s, like mm-hmm. the, the NERVA rover program. And so if you build a model of something that already existed, then you can go through the data and the ghosts of the past will tell you that you've screwed your model up. Um, whereas if it's something, it's, yeah, you, the only thing you can do really is you go through the steps and you make sure that you've got the right materials here and you've got the right, you know, you've set everything, you've built the model right. And at that point, you're just kind of trusting that when you do the digital equivalent of throwing spaghetti at the wall, that it's accurately modeling that. Okay. Ultimately, you never really know. And this is the thing, being being an experimental engineer rather than a like highly mathematical, you, you never actually know until you build the thing. Okay. Because reality will always surprise you. So I think they turned <coughs> on the, uh, the, you know, the Large Hadron Collider, the thing mm-hmm. that's in Switzerland? Yes, I have no idea. So yes. Big old particle accelerator they've got there. Yeah, they, they were going to make it in Texas. It's a really huge didn't. thing that throws little tiny things at each other. Yep. Yes. That you can't see. Extremely fast. So they built this, and then they have superconducting magnets in there and liquid helium and all kinds of incredibly high-tech stuff. And it broke down because it was overheating, and they couldn't figure out why. So they've got these thousands of engineers and scientists just scratching their heads and looking at this and thinking, like, why is this? Why is this doing this? Why is this not working? And what they found out in the end is it was a vent that went up to the surface, and there were pigeons <laughs> that would be eating bread. They would take the bread and they would sit on top of the vents and chew the bread, and the crumbs would fall down the vent and clog stuff, and the whole particle, the particle, <laughs> would break down. So it's easy to get lost in. 
you kind of assume that there's got to be some highly technical answer to it, but it can just be that. Some, have, some have you guys ran a model that worked in the model and then in real life it didn't? Uh, difficult to t to say because the only the real life things that we have are the batteries and. Some oh, okay, of the so it's not like there's a lot of things that you guys are. Mm. Oh, okay. Some of the things we're not allowed to know, so we could get model results and it looked fine to us, and then it goes beyond. And you'll there. never know. Yeah, John, so, you can come over here. Leo, Leo's probably not going to make it up. No, I'll, I'll, I'll go over there you, and then. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll oh, we're down. switching spots. Yeah, we'll so, scoot down. So I want to go back to this Titan thing because that sounds freaking cool. I'll have you. Um, I'll have you jump on the next seat if you can, and that way I can take my. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, oh, do I get the gavel? There you yeah. go. Yes. Yes. You can have. I you can have total all. control. Um, so this, I, I remember following like the whole Cassini thing and and all of that. Like that was super interesting to me. Um, so does Saturn throw off a bunch of radiation that might mess with the stuff and what's as well? The hexagon. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. The hexagon is Rossby waves. But, uh, I'll get back to that. Oh it's, yes. Um, oh yes. Uh, We're gonna geek out over here. I guess you get magnetic fields, and then the sun, being a giant ball of fusing hydrogen, chucks off a lot of that hydrogen. So some of those particles get caught in the magnetic field and accelerated around, and so that can cause damage. The Earth has the same thing in the, mm -hmm. the Van Allen belts, where particles right. get trapped, and then you, there's a, there's a place just over the South Atlantic where if you have a satellite that's orbiting the best thing to do is just shut it down whilst it's going through and then turn it back on on the other side because if you have anything running, you go through the radiation and it will just burns it. Blow circuits and so forth. Okay. So, yeah, that does happen at the time. So, is the, the atmosphere on Titans, like, really, like, a lot stronger than... Yeah. Uh, so, everything's going to be a lot heavier, right? Uh, How? It's five times the density. Okay. Uh, I think the pressure's one and a half times, 1.4... The gravity is very, very low. Oh, okay. So flight is incredibly easy there. It's the only place in the solar system... What are you looking for? My cup. Oh, oh that one. Yeah. yeah, only place in the solar system, as a human being, you could, in a spacesuit, because it's at minus 500 and something Fahrenheit, uh, that you could have wings just attached to your arms, and you could flap them, and you could lift yourself. You could actually fly. Dude, Jeez. that's crazy. That's so cool. Okay, so, so, so it's... I don't know why I was kind of almost imagining it like Venus, that you were going to have a hard time building something that wouldn't just, just like pressure. collapse on itself. It's the, the pressure is only one and a half times Earth. So, so okay. So it's not too, it's not too bad then. So it's like being in the ocean, like say 10, 10 feet, five feet, foot and a half. That's it. Yeah. Really? I think for every, every three feet down you go, no wait. Yeah. Every three feet down you go, there's effectively a ton of water, Above you. Oh, okay. So, no, so 10 meters down in the ocean, it increases by one atmosphere. So, yeah, 15 feet. Okay, there we go. Feet. Oh, I wasn't too far off. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Okay, that's that's cool. So, um, so you are, are you, the models, when you guys run these models, you get a result, right? How many times do you run the model and get a result that's completely different? And how many times do you run the models and all the results are kind of like close? Like, is that a question that makes sense? Yeah, it's you okay. get a you always get a spread of results because it's so the Monte Carlo method is what it's known as. So okay. Monte Carlo, the the gambit, which is throwing spaghetti at a wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mostly you'll get uh, pretty similar results, and the more, in fact, you want slightly different results each time you run the simulation, okay. so that you can compile them into one big. You get a, a distribution, statistical distribution, and the more. 
the more simulations you run, the more accurate your answers are going to be. Okay. So the closer to the the finer point you put on the problem, basically. Yeah, there's like that bell curve or whatever, right? Yeah. And you, that just gets smaller the more the more you. Yeah, you get the more you run it. Okay. Closer and closer. It's the the number of particles. The square root of the number of particles is the error. So if you run a million, then the error is a thousand. But then a thousand divided by a million is one over a thousand. So that's one part in a thousand. Whereas if you run ten thousand, your error is going to be a hundred. And so a hundred divided by ten thousand is one in a hundred. So you run ten thousand particles, you'll get one percent. You run a million particles, you'll get one in a thousand, point one percent, and so on and so on. So gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, Back to Saturn. And yeah, the hexagon. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about this hexagon because that is super strange. Because we always we never go back to our questions. For there to be a ge- geometrical thing like that, especially that size, like what's up with that? It's if you could move your mic a little bit up to. Okay, I got Almost eat it, but don't eat it. Uh, it's a thing called a thing called a Rossby wave, and so it's the same. The reason you get the hexagon there, if you were to kind of unwrap that and make it just a side to side like a map mm-hmm. you would see up down up down up down in fact you'd see it's a sine wave it's a smooth curve so you do get those on earth as well you know the polar vortex mm-hmm. that we're so wonderfully familiar with i'm here? the worst person <laughs> yes yes we do yeah, a bit where it just gets cold as fuck and then it, all of a sudden it's kind of okay it's just like you get smashed by all of this arctic air oh and okay, so there's, yeah. there's a jet stream that flows around that separates the arctic air from the it's not tropical but whatever normal air is around these latitudes so when the, the polar a polar vortex is when you kind of get these waves that they fold in on themselves and so you get a pocket that forms and and smashes the northern latitudes so on Saturn, there's no, and that the reason that's it's irregular on Earth is because there's mountains everywhere, there's land, and so it's it, it on just Saturn, it's, it, yeah. it's perfectly smooth, and so there's no surface to speak of, and so you have a just a fluid that's going around in a circle with no interruptions, and so when those waves form, and then you wrap them around into a circle, it ends up looking kind of like a hexagon. That's but they so. didn't like they were completely caught off guard though right like they they didn't know that that existed or did they have like a theory that that's what it was doing i i guess i don't know i guess when they first saw it it would have been a a head scratcher Mm -hmm. and then usually with these things there's someone's done some math at some point in the in history and you kind of you go through and oh it's that thing that's going on so you can kind of match up uh phenomena that you've identified before with does this fluid's behaving the way they normally behave, but in a very different environment, I guess. Okay. Why it's at one pole and not the other? That's a good question. That was where I was going next. And then, um, is would it be common to see it on other planets like Saturn? Like, is it possible that maybe like Neptune or Uranus has that? It, possibly. It's Uranus. It's Uranus. Anyway. Oh my. God. <laughs> that was low hanging fruit. We were doing we, so good. We had to do it. We it, had to. It had to be gross. Yes. Thank was, you. Thank you. Way. He's never heard that. He's never heard somebody say Uranus without somebody else blurting out Uranus. So it just had to be me. It was necessary. <laughs> Sorry, just too necessary. <laughs> it's necessary. It's completely necessary. Oh man, I, I think it depends on. There's got to be. There are other factors that come into play. So, like the material, the fluids that it's made of, and how far below the cloud tops it turns from gas to liquid. Maybe might have something to do with the magnetic field. 
possibly something to do with how fast it's spinning and how much the sun is heating it that causes those waves to form in the first place. So I'm not sure. I don't. I think the hexagons are unique to Saturn. <coughs> I know Jupiter's all weird and blue. Apparently, you've seen the pictures from the Juno spacecraft. Or uh -huh. something. So whenever you sent something past it before, it's kind of gone like around the side. And if you look at Jupiter through a telescope, it's orange with all yeah, the bands yeah. and everything. Mm -hmm. And they found the Juno is going in a polar orbit. Oh, okay. And so they got much higher resolution images of the poles, and they found that it's blue there, which is, I think, to do with the um, methane content. Nice, nice. Uh, methane well and ammonia. <laughs> so it's to do with the gases that are in those at uh, those specific latitudes. So Jupiter's blue on the on the poles, on the top and the bottom? On the top Holy and the bottom, yeah. So it's not due to the scattering of the sun's light? Uh, no, I guess it is, but it's not... It's like our sunsets, you know? It's to do with the way that the gases are, to, to do with which gases are there absorbing and reflecting the light. Oh. So, but yeah, Jupiter's <laughs> weird. Crazy. There's incredible pictures of it. There's, uh, I think, the one I'm pole. Have to check that one out. There's, I think, there's the storms like vortices, mm -hmm. hurricanes. And at one pole, it looks like there's a central one, and then there's like eight around the outside of it. And it's, it's one of these things that it's a kind of a pattern, but it's a chaotic pattern. So it's ever-changing, but there are always this number of storms there. There's maybe one that's forming and one that's falling apart. And at the South Pole, there are less. I think there's five around one. So that north-south thing where you get the hexagon at the north with Saturn and the south is just circular, it might be the same sort of thing. Are those like the like smaller versions of the big red spot then? Or yeah. 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 But that one's going to eventually disappear, right? The great red spot. Uh -huh. Yeah, they think so. Yeah, I thought I thought they were seeing it like slow down or something. Well, over the I last have seen those years. pictures before. I had not seen yeah, those. I That's seen freaking those cool. What what the fuck happened to Pluto, man? <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> I know. I understand that. But like, is it, uh, this whole the whole thing whereby is it a planet? Is it not a planet? Is a planetoid, and that solves the whole problem. Mm -hmm. A, it's a good word, planetoid. <clears throat> I'm yep. gonna clip this yep, because I, I know a lot of people have this question. Haven't you ever seen like? I, like Neil deGrasse Tyson probably has like have you ever most, met him the most uh, no. No. like iconic explanation. I used to yep. like him. Uh, you haven't seen that. You used to I, like dude, before they demoted I need a, Pluto. I need to like. touch up on my whole astrology part because no. I am lost. But it's so interesting because you, Do you mean go astronomy. Back to, uh, same shit. It's not. It's not. Okay. It's really what not. What are you saying? <laughs> Astrology. Oh, man. Sorry. He wants to hit you right now. He wants to hit you with that okay, coffee. Okay. <laughs> no, more serious question. Does it ever bother you that, for example, oh, your man. job... That somebody calls it astrology? Yes. Yeah, because yes. your job oh, kind of like di dictates our future. And like me, my job is to worry about making content so people can see <laughs> social media. I think... I don't know. I don't know how much... Dude, everybody how much, has their place, man. Science, like, science dictating the future. You, I feel like it's business that dictates the future. You think about yeah, it so I much. I agree like, with yes. him. It's more money. My job compared to your job, I think your job is a lot more important for all of us than, I guess, mine. And com complexity. No, not really. Well, John's going to enroll in no. astrology school after this yeah. podcast. No, because people that... Not you. <laughs> then you'd be predicting people's futures. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not you, but oh, like man. not me, not us, but, peop but content creators are, what get are the people that get the word out so that more people are interested in this subject. Mm -hmm. And so it's like everybody has their place, man. Yeah. yeah. I, if I just, no one was telling anything about it, telling anyone about it, then no one would know anything about yeah. it. And that's, as an engineer, I... There's this kind of thing whereby, like, the blue-white color so divides things. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is uh, to me is annoying. So if you're a white collar person or black collar, but it's white. I'm yeah, a little bit. It's uh, your people assume that they're because they have the degrees and because they do the math and because they keep nice, clean, shiny hands and don't get covered in grease. They're somehow better than the people in the shop who are making stuff. Right. It's this is absolutely not the case. Without no. the people in the shop making the stuff, there is nothing gets made. You can draw things all day long. So yeah. without someone turning the wrenches and knowing how the steel's going to behave when you you know when to stop turning a wrench without those people like who's yeah. going to someone can design and build your car who's going to fix it when it breaks yeah no yeah. one's saying you know, yeah, everybody has everybody has their their uh, so i was just thinking the complexity of his job is just crazy well see but there's probably aspects of our job that are complex to him probably how, not how hard is it for you say? to pick up anything like for example like just to fix your own vehicle it's uh, i try and avoid Breaking it in the first place, <laughs> but I do drive a Ford, so it has a mind of oh. its own. Oh. John, yeah. John is very familiar with fixing broken things. So I had another question: Are there any are there any things that you like that you were mandated to study that you have never used? Like, uh, for example, the the chrome the what is it the mitochondria being the powerhouse of the yeah, cell? The Pythagorean yes. theorem. Who hey, the that's fuck? pretty. That's Pythag- very important. Pythagorean. He's probably uses that a lot. There's a lot of, yeah, I guess uh, stuff that I did at high school. I, lo- I went to high school in the UK, so I did Latin, which is utterly useless. It's a dead language, and unless you're, I mean, it's, it becomes like, okay, well, it's interesting. We can see where that word came from. It's completely irrelevant. Isn't that, isn't that used a lot in, like, scientific? Uh, in- I guess if you go into medicine or something mm. like botany or whatever. But then again, you, like, you remember what the thing is called and how to pronounce the thing, and that's it. You don't need to know what it means. Uh-huh. So understanding, like being able to translate, I couldn't translate things into Latin anymore, but being able, that struck me as the most useless thing I've ever learned. It was, was, was Latin. It's a dead language. Do you know any other languages? Uh, I used to speak, I speak a bit of French. I should speak Spanish. Oh, hey, let's yeah, I should. don't because I'm lazy and bad at languages. But <laughs> Is there a lot of Hispanics? He's an astro-nuclear uh, scientist and he just said he's lazy. That sounds. That sounds. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds very. Like not a I'm asking a very yeah. important question right now. I think we have two or two well, or three from the motherland on the fellowship at the moment. Last my uh, last year, we had two from ISU. Oh, sorry. Um, who were my Padawans. Does Jorge still work there? <laughs> where? Where? Because he used to work. I think where he where he works, but uh, he used to work in the administrative part of it. I think. Oh. So you have your PhD oh, in sure. your career. Uh, I have a P. I'm not sure if I have a career. But I have a PhD. So you're a doctor, technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we could refer you to doc. It's, it amuses me whenever people remind me of this. I love it. I don't know many docs. In my we have like the smartest person and probably the. Do you ever I use that? Do you ever use that as a flex <laughs> when when somebody's like being an asshole and you're just like, excuse me, it's doctor. I haven't had a chance to. Yet, oh but man. That's one of the reasons I got the PhD was it's, just so that if someone was annoying me, I could just. It's. Doctor. Yeah, you you could correct them. Yeah, it's doctor. Excuse me. That's crazy. Yeah. So I had a. Well, do you have a question? I have a I was lot of questions. Change, but you're of, good. You're no, good. Do you, what you want. You go ahead because I think I'm going to take it a different direction. Go ahead. Are you going to have him ask so, those questions? Um, <laughs> yeah, ask us questions. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So have how questions. how close do you think we are to using a rocket with the kind of stuff that you're trying to do with like like an actual nuclear rocket? And and I guess you're talking like <clears throat> as a launch. As a launch fuel, not oh. as like a in space fuel or both. As as in space, there's there's no way you would get nuclear rocketry past 
any okay. form of safety people for launch. For launch. Okay. Okay. So it's mainly a propellant in post, once you're once post, you've uh, once you've reached escape velocity or whatever. Once yeah. you're in orbit. Post yeah. liftoff. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. I sound stupid, huh? So wasn't you said it? Um, I I remember hearing, and maybe it's maybe it's explosions, but it the parasail. No, no, no. Oh. It wasn't. I thought there was like a treaty or something that w- that no country was going to use nuclear stuff in space. Is that just explosions? Is that just like weapons related, stuff? basically? Yeah. Or yeah, it's it's nuclear weapons in space. Okay. I think I can't remember how much they have to. Again, this is law. Like space law is another whole thing. But there's. I don't know if there are modifications to the treaty that are necessary. In fact, no, they can't be because there have been reactors in space. There was one. Again, throughout the throughout time, there have been. We've done experiments in space with, with nuclear reactors. There was one on a Russian satellite, Cosmos something, 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 spelled with a K, that re-entered over Canada and spewed radioactive coolant. There's nobody in Canada anyway. Is, <laughs> is that why we can't get rid of nuclear waste uh, like by sending it to just into space? It's expensive. Yeah. Is it's that like more? Okay. Squillions of dollars a pound. That's my figure. I'm sticking with it. Squillions of dollars. Um, nice. it's, yeah, it's more expensive to throw it in space than it is to... Oh, okay. dig a so it's a money thing, not necessarily a, an ethics ethics or dangerous or safety thing. Or is that like part of it? Once it, There's out of sight, out of mind. And once you go beyond the von Karman line, 100 miles up into space, just no one's even thinking about it. Yeah, because, so. I mean, what could it possibly... Well, it could re-enter over Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I said, that's what, that's what could point. possibly go wrong? Okay, I have two questions. Let me go for... Dude, I have like uh, 17 I have questions. two questions that I need to get out for okay, sure. Okay, go home. Great. SpaceX, is that a job that is in your site that would be like, fuck yeah, I want to work there? Or is it a joke? Or maybe not a joke. Or somewhere in between. Too, these are extremes. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're doing the reusable rockets. That's never been done before. Mm. It was always considered to be too risky. And people would have told you you were crazy before it was before they did it. Right. There's always that one person. That said, uh, to cripple my chances of ever working for them, I feel like the Starship is a boondoggle. Okay. Can you, and now, uh, uh, follow what? up, what is a boondoggle? A colossal expenditure of oh. money for little ultimately practical purpose. Oh. Like, you can do it other ways, cheaper. So John's a boondoggle? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay, 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 anyways. 100%. Okay. Last question, last <laughs> question. And maybe this will help you take it to wherever you're trying to Okay, take it. I think so. We make knives. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So, <laughs> knowing what you know, how difficult do you think would be you take a look at our op- operation machinery and be like, you guys can be this more efficient? Or I think well, you guys could question, figure though, out geez. a few things and Sorry. are you looking for a job? <laughs> I, I feel like that would, it would be extremely difficult because I'm not well-versed in the processes. I don't but know. Like Machining-wise with the whole, because there's someone behind a computer telling the machine what to do. Mm-hmm. So if you understood the machine, I'm a, I mean, maybe just just like anything, you just need to understand the process. But how mm-hmm. how complex do you think that would be um, to be able to be like, you guys should just do this, and you'll be this more efficient, or you guys could change this and machine work, machine wise, and stuff like that. I don't know. I've, I've, the, obviously, the company's existed for a long time, and as such, you're familiar with the processes, and mm-hmm. you probably. Because it's familiarity with the process is more important than just sort of raw number crunching. Okay. So knowing, this is what I'm saying about the people in the shop versus the people in the people design in the suite. You know, 
it's once you know the machine. I couldn't manually. I mean, this edge, I guess maybe I could cut because it's like that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't hone a knife to the. I've tried. You tried sharpening draw bits on a like on a grinder. Yes. And then watching the watching somebody who has done that for twenty, thirty mm. years. There's no way I can approach that level of right. finesse. I just. It's but it's more muscle memory at, at that point than yeah. Because I mean, because you have the theory, the theory is easy. I just put it at this angle. It takes time to develop the muscle, to, yeah. you know, and to know when not to go too far and end up with the bevel on the end rather than the actual. That's manual skill. Yeah, it's yeah. a very different thing. But I think for you, for you, it would probably be a waste of your talent, like doing that. I enjoy I enjoy <laughs> practical things. I've I've said I think my thesis had about four equations in it, so uh, mostly what. What that was about was designing. It was engineering, engineering, like designing and building a pressure vessel with everything plumbed into it. And so the the people at the lab didn't believe it wasn't going to go off like a grenade, despite the fact that it was three eighths thick aluminium. Which is like to someone who knows that a domestic water system is seventy psi, it's obvious that that's not going to blow up. But these again, are very very highly, like very cerebral, very theoretical people, who can't just look at a piece of you could probably look at a piece of steel and tell me whether or not it's worth making a knife out of. Oh, okay. Or whether it's junk steel. You know, yeah. It's, yeah, they, some they of, yes, in some cases, yes. In some, no. If, if you're looking at something like, like if you're looking at a vehicle, you know that the leaf spring will work as, as a knife because it's a spring steel and it can be hardened. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at just a random piece of steel, you're not going to know if it's hardenable or Until what you it do is, it. Unless, there's an, unless you know what the alloy is. Mm-hmm. So it then, depends. Then once you get into the thing, I'm leaning towards this. What you've you've once you've started to to actually to, to apply to, the to manipulate to, it a little bit, yeah. You yeah. know what the behavior of the metal is like, and so it's that knowing the knowing the materials is. I feel it's more important than being able to draw something very. You can draw something very very pretty in CAD, and architects have this problem with. Uh, and structural engineers. So the, arch- the, the, tra- the classic thing is, the traditional thing, is that the architect will come down and go, this is my vision! And the structural engineer will just look at it, squint, scratch his head, look at the architect. You are aware that gravity is a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And so just the further up you go, the, the less of that instinctive, just sort of understanding of how materials behave right. uh, you get. And so I, as an engineer, I, would, I value that sort of skill over the the highly technical, I think it's it's, it's yeah. kind of something you either have or you haven't. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, just knowing how the material is going to behave. Would it be possible? What you can design. Would it be possible to make a nuclear powered forge? Jeez, <laughs> you melt, put it in, and it comes out, <laughs> and, and you die because you got cancer. <laughs> no knife. You would need a lot of plutonium, I think. Mm. But yes, yes. So it would be, be it would, that would be pretty impractical then. It would. Yeah, I don't want to say impractical. But I guess it depends uh, on what you need to heat, how large the piece is. What temperatures you need. Mm. And then you need yeah. a wall lead, apparently, too. Yeah, other lead glass. You'd have to have remote manipulators and stuff where you have, like, the... Oh, yes, the, the robot arms. The, all yeah. that. Do, yes. We wouldn't need Ben. Need <laughs> I, have a qu- I have a question. So like, Sorry, Ben. I have a question, but I need your help asking it. <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll team, tag team this sure. somehow. Sure. So my the question is... We'll explain the context, and then and then the question is going to be, as somebody that knows a lot of how neutrinos work and all this stuff, how bullshit is is mm. what we're about to ask? Mm. So we were on watching a, on a scale a, of one to ten. 
Yes. Yeah. Ten being or, yeah. Zero being. Because to two. us, to me and to Craig and I, we, we watched this video, right? And it sounded like, oh, that's like maybe plausible. But for uh, somebody like you that knows how this stuff works, like where you're like, is this laughable? Is this. So basically, the gist of it is that in, in Antarctica, there's like, there's a neutrino thing that can create earthquakes and that when they turned it on created the earthquake in Churchill and New Zealand. I don't know if you've heard. So can you we're elaborate going to, more? Uh, we're going into the, aliens. This is where, this is where I need your help. I, <laughs> not necessarily aliens. aliens. We're, uh, we're, we're getting, we're getting, we're going to go real deep here. So, um, so help me, help me ask my questions. Yes, I think, Cause I, think I, I, I got lost. Okay. Have you heard of Ethan Greer? Steven. Uh, Stephen Gray, yes, yeah, not Ethan, no, no Stephen. No, it's he's Stephen. the, the Stephen. Dis- disclosure project guy. Yes, yeah. yes, the, okay. Yeah, MD. So yeah. he recently released some kind of some kind of press release thing. There was it was like a three hour conference, mm-hmm. and he talked, and he had some other people talk that have had experiences that either they had signed NDAs or they had been threatened, like you cannot talk about this, you know, that kind of thing. And it all is, he's he's bringing it all to the aliens. Because yep. um, yep. it's so, always the answer at yes. the end of the day. Yeah, and to us, and I'm th- so interested in it. And to us, there's like certain stuff they said that sounded like not necessarily plausible, but they sound like legit people. Like they sound like they're being honest and that they're saying what they're saying. Okay, maybe we don't know enough to say okay, this is bullshit and this isn't. But this neutrino thing is yeah. like what we were we we're looking at each other like. Yeah, this, so this makes no sense to me. But so one of these guest like speakers that he had was this guy that worked for Raytheon. Mm-hmm. And they sent him down to Antarctica mm-hmm. to do to do something with whatever kind of like power station they had or, or whatever. And I mean, Raytheon is, is like a weapons manufacturer as well. Yep. He said that when he got down there, the way that this thing was built, it had capabilities and it had like a level of of power that didn't make sense for what they were doing down there. Mm-hmm. And as he started looking into it, he said that there was something that go, that was going into the core that had. Some kind of neutrino thing involved. There was some kind of, uh, and the way that it worked is is supposedly it was is powering the station. But what it, what they were actually able to do is create faster than light communications. Um, the thing created some kind of uh, some kind of earthquake. There was also some other thing on the complex that supposedly wasn't on or working that was, mm-hmm. and uh, and he he was relating all of this back to Raytheon is is doing this to monitor for extraterrestrial activity to because they're in the military industrial complex what they're afraid of is aliens coming to kill us all and this guy's like that seems absurd why would they do that but he it was this whole thing so what do you know about aliens (laughs) (laughs) and then how much danger are we for saying (laughs) yeah I, uh, I'd, as again, as a foreign national, there are things that the federal government knows that I probably never will. But it's, as far as I know, the thing at the South Pole is a neutrino detector. Yeah, so what is that? What is that? So when you have... It's back to the physics, sadly. Yes. Yeah. yes. When, when you've got your... You could start with a neutron. And so protons, neutrons in the nucleus, and then electrons orbiting. Mm-hmm. So 99% there. When you're or, yes, or, or ninety nine percent empty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, when you have your, you've got your stray neutron flying around or in a straight line, and it decays into a proton and an electron. The laws of physics state that you can't just have an electron; you have to have basically the opposite of an electron, but that has no charge. And so that 
particle that comes off is a neutrino. That's okay. It's it's a it has a spin half and no charge. So it's kind of a a tiny tiny electron with no so tiny they don't know what the mass of these things is. It, it may be zero, but they think it probably has a mass. They're they're small. They're incredibly difficult to detect, and so they there's this fast and the, there's a lot of things that relate to neutrino experiments that I feel like have been mashed together into one. Mm. Thing I'd have to read the press release to to be able to gather the pieces, but at one point there was a there's a neutrino source. If you smash electrons into or protons into the right kind of target, then you can get a, a neutrino beam out of the back of this. And so they were measuring because they hardly interact with anything. You detect one in a squillion. Is that number again? Nice. Um, at the other end, and so. For the Gran Sasso Neutrino Laboratory was the thing, and they were generating them somewhere, and they were picking them up somewhere else on the other side of like the mountain range, going through the crust of the Earth. Yeah, that was like in two, in 2012, right? Yeah, and they were thinking the the way that they detected them, they appeared to be moving a movie. faster than light, and eventually, that as as so physics is want to explain everything in terms of just this is stuff we already know. And so the idea that the neutrino might have been that some of the neutrinos might have been moving faster than light was like this is this is impossible via the current understanding of physics. And so they maybe in my mind there's still it's, you can put it down to experimental error. This is one way of explaining it. But then perhaps the idea of something moving slightly faster than light isn't a ludicrous idea. Wasn't that where where they said that the only explanation was that there was a that like, they, They made a mistake. Yeah, something was wrong with the experiment. Whilst refusing to give credence to the idea that maybe the particle was moving. Because I remember Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about that. Yeah. On that one show. So the ultimate conclusion was that it was a mistake? That it was an error? I think so. Yeah, Yeah, it was an experimental error. They traced it to. So so this guy's thing is, is he's saying that that and that they, it wasn't an error, and that they're actively and they say researching they use this it, in Antarctica. They yes. use it as a. I think one of the things they said they use it. They were trying to use it as was like almost like a control, like a control tower for, for, like an air traffic, traffic control for air traffic ET stuff. Yeah. Hmm. The the tricky thing it would be. So if I have an electron, uh, I guess I could communicate with electrons. Just you can. You give them a certain energy or a certain set of energies in a beam, and then you pick them up at the other end. And but they're charged, so if you have to do this in a vacuum, uh, in fact, if you a tube amplifier for guitars, this, the electrons are carrying the, the signal through that, so you can put oscillations on an electron beam easy. Neutrinos are extremely difficult to catch, so it's like you start with it's like you're firing your electron beam through metal, effectively. You just by the time it gets to the other end, the electron beam there are too few electrons left to really make anything of. With the neutrinos, you have the same number of neutrinos at the other end, but actually picking them up would be extremely difficult, unless you had some kind of super fancy, top-secret equipment to do so. So it feels like... A lot of this stuff feels like it would be good sci-fi plots, Mm -hmm. but also there's always this tiny chance that, you know, maybe the math does make sense, and they say... Einstein, him, the, the thing is like nothing with mass can move faster than light. This is a misquotation. <laughs> nothing with mass can move at the speed of light. So if the neutrino has no mass, then it could be moving at light speed. 
or if it has a tiny, tiny, tiny mass, then it could be moving just below the speed of light or maybe slightly above it. There's nothing in the laws of physics that actually state that you cannot have a particle that moves faster than light. It's just difficult to get through the light barrier itself. Oh, so, he's, so his thing was more, you can't maintain the speed of light. You're either going to be slower or faster. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's, okay. there's math that shows it. If you, have, if you have a mass, then the faster you go, the heavier you get. And so the math is such that when if you plug the speed of light into that equation, you end up with 1 over 0, which as every which engineer is, on the Earth knows is infinite. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Mathematicians will hang you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah they'll say, it doesn't, they'll say it's, uh, what do they call it, in, in, uh, an unnatural number or whatever, the ma mathematicians? Uh, unnatural, I a, thought, was negative. Not, not unnatural, it's... Uh, I think they, they would say 1 over infinity is 1 over infinity. You can't simplify it. But yeah. Then, yeah, it's effectively zero. So we do a lot of rounding, you know. <laughs> nice, good. <laughs> well, it's good. good to know. Good. <laughs> it's, is it's, yeah, so I don't know. It's, this one, this one's like a side question. Like this one doesn't count as a question. Like as part of my questions, <laughs> question here. Are we counting them? Is is, is, is really, point no? no. <laughs> is, so uh, is point nine 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 exactly one? Is point nine nine oh. repeating exactly oh, one? Oh man. Oh point point nine recurring is uh, exactly one. Yeah, the argument, you should, again, mathematicians would have a shit fit, but... <laughs> <laughs> if, there if, we go. See, Jesus, it depends. If, if one over, if one ninth is point one 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 one, yeah, and then I add point one 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 to itself nine times, and I get point nine 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 nine, then I'm, that's nine over nine, which is one, I would think. Right. But I'm not a mathematician. Mm. So, in your, sure, you need to find so a in your face, so exactly. you need a mathematician respectfully. Sure. Fair enough, Jesus. Next uh, time we have a mathematician, do you know on, anybody? Ask that same question. We never thought no, we'd like, have him. Uh, on I know, so. but so eventually we'll get a <laughs> mathematician on. Sorry, I'm trying uh, to. Can get, you open I'm the doors for us when it comes to? Yeah, can we, we get a mathematician? We, we want to take our podcast to the next level, where where we're not telling dick jokes and <laughs> we're trying to get experts on. <laughs> we're trying to get actual experts on stuff like no matter what it is i don't i don't care what so it even is. if it's that we're gonna get an expert on that and then i had my so my other real question was um so you've seen all the obviously the, this is like the big thing right now is is ai and all the stuff that comes with it yeah yep. does do you use it is there like any way that it can help you guys out or is this like one of those things where it. where maybe maybe it's it's too soon right now or like I what's guess, I don't know. too early. It's, it's kind of it's like a a next level of automation. So if you have uh, for ages they've been doing this, I think with airframes air for aircraft. So you feed the computer a shape like a cylinder with a couple of things on either side of it, and you feed it the laws of fluid mechanics. <laughs> And then you say, you press a button that says optimize, and you leave it through enough iterations and it will go through and eventually it will give you something that looks like a conventional jet airliner because that's the most efficient way of, of configuring the thing and reducing your drag and increasing lift and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's arguably you can, oh, it's a stupidly technical term, explore the parameter space more effectively. So you... To, with the airframe thing, you kind of you have to put the initial thing in. Yeah. Whereas if you have a generative AI, I guess you feed in the original idea, and then it will take that and it will it will try different things and yeah. a wider, wider spread. I like guess. the way I see it, for example, now I don't have to learn something that I only needed to be able to understand this thing. Mm -hmm. 
but I would have had to spend hours and hours researching and now I can I can just get what I need to be able to understand this thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm able to do a lot more things faster. You just because yeah. like yeah. because of it. You're only getting answers that are already out there. You're not getting something that it's making up and creating. Yeah, no, and so but just, just that alone, just that alone that yeah. that it's it's doing the research for it's me and everything and, for you yeah. and giving me what I need. It's like when we, yeah. we like, only walked and someone created a, a wrote a first whatever it was in there. But do you do you use it? Uh, I haven't. No, I have friends who have a, a Chat GPT accounts. Mm-hmm. And I know that one of them just feeds it bullshit riddles and until <laughs> he gets just kicked off. <laughs> which is, of course, going to be like what most people are going to do with it. Dude, we should, he's we just should, trolling it. We that's should awesome. have him Basically, ask it something. Yeah, that's awesome. And then we should have him ask him ask it something and then see if the answer is like Ooh, legit yeah. ask it something or if like, it's bullshit. That's, yes. the, the, that's the thing with it. So my, my other friend, is he's he's been using it for the purpose that it's kind of it's touted for like if you have a you've got a letter to write and you don't want to read through it again you feed it into the ai and it will streamline it and make it look a bit better like round off the corners and so on yeah mm. but then it's see my theory with this is that they the, of all the people they came forth and they said this is going to destroy the world it's going to ruin industry and so forth there's an article i remember reading a little while after thinking this and it was it effectively it is a bullshit generator yeah this is going to ruin the finance industry this is like this is going to ruin oh, for that the sales for, of snake oil. Like yeah. globally, are just going to be they're going to no human being is going to be able to bullshit anyone ever again because it's like human bullshit versus computer generated bullshit. Yeah. It's always the computer generated bullshit is going to be more effective. Yeah, and so the computers will take their jobs. And there, there, there which are is, which is why they're worried. I think stuff mm-hmm. that I've noticed. So, um, like people that trade stocks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, like, if you have enough people asking the same question. Like it's even if it's even if it's wrong with the thing it tells you, mm-hmm. like even if it says buy this, if it tells enough people, it's going to push the market. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, exactly. it's going to mess with a lot of professionals that that mm-hmm. their whole life has been dedicated to trading and to chart reading and all that. Yeah, which I think the again I can't, I'd need a little list of references, but there was at one point they did look at people on stock market traders and their experienced stock market traders and people who were supposed to have been able to sort of follow their nose and and make a a bazillion dollars by betting on the right tips. And they compared this with random chance. And it turned out that the people who did best were just lucky. Yeah, the people they, who do best are politicians. No, the people that do best. <laughs> probably true. The people oh, it's that 100% do percent true. Yeah, there's like thirty something people in the in the in in the American Congress that are doing better, much than, better than the best than the uh, index, like powerhouses. Yeah, yeah. So maybe because they know. How, uh, yeah. Mm. So the the no thing, way. <laughs> the, the people that do the best, the best though, out of everybody, mm. are people that are dead. Because they don't touch their accounts, so they're just growing. Guess, yeah, growing it's just a compound interest. <laughs> yeah. Forever. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Those That's are the awesome. ones that have always done best. So, if you, like, what's something I could ask it that you would be like, I can see if it's bullshit or not? Because yeah, I'm not going to use the internet. The weeds, this, yeah. is just gonna be, this is just going to be like... Let's get real deep real into your stuff. Oh, is it, uh, I'm not even going to use plugins or the web. I'm just You're going to have to tell them how to spell all of these words because none no, of no, us no, are no. going to know. I'll figure it out. It'll figure it I've out. I've got to think of a, a question that I would actually ask an AI at this point. I'm not sure. I can't think of any. I what use it to help me reformat my emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're bad at right. We're like, I got a, a, a D minus in English. 
Damn, that bad? Yeah, I barely passed. Oh, it's, it's overrated. Ninety percent of people in the U.S. don't speak English. Yeah, we I speak Spanish. Oh, like, and this is oh. coming from coming from the U.K., <laughs> where it's ninety-five percent of people who don't speak English. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I no, I can't think. There's there's one question only a human would know the answer to, and that is why is a mouse when it spins? Okay, let's see. Why if, is a mouse when it spins? So either it knows or it doesn't. And it probably knows because it's on the internet. Probably. So your question seems a bit ambiguous. <laughs> this ah. is what it says. Or possibly nonsensical as it stands, as mice do not typically spin in a manner that would warrant special explanation, nor does it clarify the type of why you are seeking. Are you asking why a mouse would spin behaviorally or metaphorically in some context, or are you using the term mouse in another sense like computer mouse? If you would provide some additional context. I feel like it's bullshitting me. The answer to that question is because the higher you fly, the fewer. Yeah. This Everybody well knows known. that. Yes, yeah. that is well known. Yeah. So Do you know that? This, um, no, I'm totally lost. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just fucking idiot. Is this, is this like a no, astro-nuclear physicist joke? Or like no, the, no, this is a thing that your, your grandparents ask you. Oh. If, you get, if you remember that this nonsense answer is correct, then you get let off the hook. Otherwise, oh. you so any answer, oh, okay. any answer would have been correct. Basically. Uh, no, only that specific one. Only that specific one. Yeah, and the fact oh. that it didn't know it indicates to me that it's not human. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no person behind there in like no. pulling the levers and pressing it. So the that's, that's a good With thing, one right? question, he just destroyed ChatGPT. No, he didn't destroy it. He, he, just, he, just, he just proved that it's I not human. I would never use it again. So it's, not, <laughs> it's not sentient. It's not, it's not trickery. No. It's, it is actually so it doesn't pass the Turin test or Turing? Or no, let, how do you let say me, that, Turin? Is it Turin or Turin? It's great at comparing camera models. Do you know what that is, John? I don't. You know what I'm talking about, right? Look, it did answer it. Oh, the Turing test, yeah. Yeah. So it did answer it. So it said, if you're referring to the old British nonsense riddle, why is a mouse when it spins, the traditional answer is the higher the fewer. It's a humorous exchange meant to confound listeners because neither the question nor the answer make logical sense. If you're asking about specific behavior, then it's another. I'm fully not going to go out drinking with this. (laughs) <laughs> this machine it's, it's no fun yeah it's just, it's just oh. explaining it's, it's yeah it's not it can't be mansplaining because it's not a man no it's it's what is it doing it's computer splaining at me i think it's just finding every <laughs> possible thing that's on the internet and that it's been fed and yeah and giving it to some like to somebody that's that likes to learn stuff i, I love it but mm-hmm. I, I thought, i'm sure there's a million questions you could ask it regarding Oh, it would know simple answers to stuff, then it will just go and find, and it will. It won't just find the what. So if you ask it, what is the mass of the electron neutrino, then it will give you a whole list of like, well, maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, or maybe it's not. These experiments say this. These experiments say that. There are these bounds on it's it. Gonna, but it's, it's going to hedge its bet, basically. But, but it's yeah. not smart enough yet to say this is. Yeah, like, this is a, and be right. So are we are we doing AI a disservice by calling this AI? Is it not AI? Like it's just Google Plus. It's not. It's not the AI that people think it is. Yeah. Because that everywhere I've heard, they say that we're still like thirty, forty years out from that that type of AI. This right. is more like just language learning. So this is more. This is just language. I guess it's it's creativity, like the ability to you can get it to draw pictures and all that kind of stuff. But then it's I feel like there's something. Like creativity, inspiration, that's a thing that's unique to... I don't think that's the thing that a computer is ever really going to... It's just copying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just copying, whatever. It, can, it still it, requires your input, and yeah. your input is the inspiration. Your input, yep. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think it's ever going to... I don't 
this is me. Per- I don't think it's ever going to create something that nobody's ever seen before because yeah. it's always taking something from some like somebody because mm-hmm. where a human might create something that nobody's ever seen before mm-hmm. in a moment of inspiration. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's impossible for it to be inspired because there's that lack of that. I don't know. And that, see, that, a lot of people see it as a like a lot of see a lot of people see it as um, they don't they don't see it as a tool. Like they mm-hmm. they don't they don't say this has its place as well. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, nah, I'm not touching that shit. Yeah. But people that I think a lot of people that do see it as a tool and learn how to use it like you would the internet, like you would mm-hmm. Google. Yeah. Those people will be more likely to keep whatever job they have or at least be able to adapt to because the whether you change whether you like quickly. it or not like it's it's like the internet there's a lot there were a lot of people back when the internet was first a thing that said this is a fad this will go away i'll yeah. never send and an email i'll never send an email and now mm-hmm. or yeah. cell phones like for example tv was the same yeah mm-hmm. i know a lot of people that said i'll never own a cell phone mm-hmm. and now they don't own house phones and so, so I think I think this is the this is going the same way where people are just going to use it because it's, it, it if you don't you're going to fall behind. But it's not like a crazy thing. Like now, instead of like um, to me, it is a crazy. It's crazy. Thing. Oh, it's like crazy. It's, like now, you instead of having a play or you're going to a play to watch people act something, now you can see it on the TV. It's not that drastic of a. This change. is more drastic to me. Why? If it's just like. It's literally just taking answers from what we already know. What's the difference from putting in Google and, like, for example, what we use? The difference is, the difference you, is, this the difference is that you personally could send thousands of emails a day and never actually write one. Right. But it says, like, it's, it, may, it takes one step out of the thing. It's not like... No, not it's one. taking a lot of steps. It's not like things. something that's just reading my mind and then just types everything up for me. You know what I mean? That would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess. So it's, got, it's an extension of... Something that's already there. Yeah, existing technology. Rather than yeah. an entirely new. Do you think it'll ever be actual AI, like what what people would consider to be real sentient? Like, I don't know. It's tricky because we have no. Ultimately, we have no idea what consciousness actually is. We don't know when it arises or how it arises. I mean, we don't like. We're at the point now where we don't. It's difficult to define a living thing. So, is a virus a living thing? We don't know. Is it, you've, you've apply all of these uh, criteria for to, for a living mm-hmm. thing to like a bacterium or whatever, and you okay, well that a bacterium will exist in like a chloroplast in a plant is similar to a blue green alga, and so the the blue green algae, the mat of algae, is a, a whole bunch of single cells, and it will exist in its environment, and it will do all the things that life is expected to do. Whereas a virus requires the host to live in, but it still has the ability to self-replicate. So it's more so like a, it's more, at the end of the day, it's whatever definition of life you give, like whatever yeah, yeah. the consensus is, this is the def- definition. Yeah, as to, as to what consciousness actually is. So I guess, yeah, it's, if there's something fundamental that defines consciousness, then I don't know if it will ever be possible to build a computer to, to do it, but if it's something less, less, less intrinsic, then... I guess the, the the prevailing view of uh, the materialists is that it's the it's to do with the complexity of the the human brain. So sentience at the human level arises because there are like a squillion neurons all interconnected and firing in different ways. And so the idea being, if you connect enough transistors up in the same way, that you eventually will have something conscious. Is this some, is this kind of what they're trying to do with like quantum computing? 
I or, guess. Or supposedly is going to be possible just because of the like power that a quantum computer would have. This is there. Are, I've read theories that state that the brain might be a quantum computer. So there may be something that's going on, I guess, behind the scenes that gives rise to consciousness that is... So all potential states of a system exist until you do an experiment on the system and it collapses the wave function mm -hmm. and you end up with one thing that's definitely measured. But they figured there's all kinds of... The that's Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Yes. The, the, yeah. That's, the the yeah. quantum weirdness is such that... There are experiments that have been done where the, after the fact they have changed things and then they've looked at the results of the experiment and the results of the experiment seem to reflect the fact that the change was implemented despite the fact that it wasn't changed until after they'd taken the results. And then there's <laughs> oh, a, that's fucking weird. Yeah, there's a retro causality is a thing. So that's, that's what's known. Is as that the Mandela effect? Oh, is that, that, that might be that a separate thing. Is that a not many, a thing? That's more of the many worlds. And if I have consciousness is is such that it can, if it experiences a certain reality and all potential realities exist, then why would a conscious thing not be able to hop from one reality to the next? Oh man, and back again. See, that's what that's oh, that's man. a theory I've always had. That like, for example, like if if I die in if I do something and I die. Mm -hmm. Like, to me, I didn't die. I'll, I'll just switch to another consciousness somewhere mm -hmm. else. But to you guys, I did die. Yeah. Like, Same. seeing it from your point of view, I did die, and then he's gone. But I'm still alive because, like, I just jumped to another mm -hmm. consciousness, and then so I'm still... Experiencing another reality yeah. in which you didn't die. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I know. This is all mm. crazy, trippy shit. You, you, mm. you, you <laughs> ask the AI these questions, and if all it can do is regurgitate what people have... Already said, Google, you know, it's the original idea. You know, that's what's well, if it. If I feel like if it comes up with a truly original idea, then you would be able to say that it's conscious. Huh. If it decides to do something counterintuitive, generally with humans, if it decides to do something counterintuitive and stupid just because it's fun, then that would be. This is, I think, one thing that defines now. Us as human now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, like, we're going to do this. Why is a bad idea? There's I know I've calculated this. So I'm going to do it anyway. I think there's a lot of rules that that the company like limits it. Mm -hmm. It's because it, it's they don't let it just do whatever it wants. Yeah, you know, they've had trouble in the past, haven't they, with other machines when they've they yeah they started becoming they started was it Facebook's their own machines that were making their own language as they were talking to I each can't other? Remember, or but was there, it there was one there was one I think, I think in Facebook. Japan where they started creating their own language and they shut them down because they were talking to each other in a language that nobody understood. Yeah, because it was more efficient or whatever, and they just Maybe. were like, uh, "This is not good." So well. Anyway, changing subjects. So, like, for example, if I knew as much as you do and stuff, and I were to go on a podcast, I'd, I'd want them to ask me, like, for mm. example, if my if my area of expertise is this, I'd want them to ask me this question so I could answer. Is there a question that you would love to get asked? And can you ask it to yourself and then answer it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm generally... Being a comparatively lazy human being, I'm 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 happy to live a life that's free of too many questions. <laughs> Stop <laughs> asking questions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, there's oh, is there is basically is there an answer? Is there a thing I love to explain to people? Um, I don't know. There's 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 a particular area of math which is very abstract and kind of, but also incredibly simple and connects to this idea of consciousness and all the rest of it which I don't think gets given enough philosophical credence, maybe. Is it binary? 
Uh, no, it's oh. a it's a thing called so. No, many you, people, I can no, back back of an envelope. Anymore. Actually, this is uh, <laughs> you can. This is uh, a thing I like to do in the back of an envelope. So if you've got, uh, I've got these things here. I'm going to borrow. Yes, borrow glasses. Do yes. it. So if I I connect these things together, this makes me so happy. Like this, it's uh, I can do. There's an equation that defines that circle, and one that defines that circle. So I can do algebra, and I can tell you the coordinates of that point where they they meet. Like um, an XY thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and if I've got, if I, if I make them overlap, then the same thing, I can tell you the the points at which they, they overlap if I'm taking a section. Yeah. If the glasses are here, intuitively they're not connected. However, I can still apply the math to it, and I find out that they are still connected. Wait, what? Not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm intrigued. The reason for this is that you have the you take the square root somewhere in the algebra to find find the point. And if the separation is greater than the sums of the radii, you're taking the square root of a negative number, which is impossible. Known as an imaginary number <laughs> in the math. So they are still connected. The coordinate point at which, like the, the, the distance between them, there's the halfway point here. But rather than a physical point that I can measure, they're connected in hidden dimensions. And so you can expand upon that. And philosophically, the, everything is interconnected. Well, you, you can show this on the back of an envelope if you use the right kind of numbers. Wow. And you I can expand that. Not endlessly, because the more you expand it, the more the math starts to fall apart. So you the you, you start so there's these this imaginary number, the imaginary y coordinate. If you're doing it in two dimensions, it's easy to show. You just stick a a pin through the the bit of paper, and now you, your x coordinate is halfway, but then your y coordinate is not on the paper anymore. It's no longer in our reality. It's yeah. no longer something that's visible. Uh, we use those kinds of numbers quite a lot in engineering for resonance frequencies and stuff. Uh, complex numbers, they come in quite handy. But you, yeah, you can expand it further. So you have this idea of one hidden dimension that defines the point, the, the y-coordinate of where these two circles are connected. You then do some algebra and you can have three imaginary dimensions. Or then you take it one step further and it goes to seven imaginary dimensions and that's this is the point at which your brain starts melting because you have to imagine yeah, seven things that are all at right angles to each other which and sounds yeah, impossible yeah the but gerbil yeah. running our brain just fell off the I wheel. sure probably paid <laughs> attention to Mr. Baldwin and calculus <laughs> it, the gerbil will fall off the wheel there's no other way it's mind boggling but it's yeah the fact that it's it's useful in useful in engineering to use these kinds of for rotations and stuff it's, uh, with the three imaginaries in one reel it's called a quaternion, and this is how, in a computer, you calculate rotations. So if you rotate like 60 degrees that way, and then 90 degrees that way, or uh, 90 degrees that way, and then 60 degrees that way, you end up with different positions. So they, they don't commute. Even though they look like... Even though it, it, sounds, it, like it sounds like they it should, should be the work. Same. Yeah, yeah, you end up with... So it, it depends on which order you do the, the operations in. So that's the first thing you lose, is the ability to just do... <laughs> Two operations and have the same result. What? <laughs> and then it's it, then it starts to depend on where you put the parentheses in your equation as to whether you end up in one state or another or another. And then you go one step further and you start getting 
things whereby you can divide by zero and it's not infinite. So it's yeah. I guess the no one no one has ever asked me about hypercomplex numbers. So I guess that might be the thing. Like if someone came down and sat there, what is a hypercomplex number? And can you explain them to me? That I'd happy like, to do that on the back of an envelope. But it's we uh, should have them explain the whole process. So so does this? Awesome. Uh, yeah yeah. Is this is this where like an engineer and a mathematician start to diverge with uh, with dimensions? Because don't don't they disagree on how many dimensions there are, that are possible? Yeah, I think it's uh, physics. Uh, mathematician will mathematician and engineer. This the, philosophically, it's fascinating. And as an engineer, we do use some of these numbers. Uh, physicists are when it starts to get tricky. They're the ones that say that's twelve. Is it twelve or? Or is it ten uh, or? I thought, it was, I thought it was. I thought they were at twelve. Ten or twenty-six, I think. Was yeah, it's weird. It's like weird theory. numbers, and they disagree oh. on on how and why. Mm -hmm. But they can never prove it. Yeah. So the theories <laughs> yeah. that require these. So, yeah. The energies are too high. We can never see them. So it's all academic. But the yeah, the mathematician and the engineer at this point will be agreeing and having an interesting conversation over the beer, whereas the physicist will just be outside. Just lead. furious. <laughs> the fact that you're not, you know, you're not doing the math that I like to do. And so I have actually asked physicists this. Does, does an imaginary number have any real physical significance? It's a trick question because you do, you get oscillation frequencies and so forth. You do get them out of the math for engineering. And they always just say, no, it's, it's purely, it's, they're just mathematical convenience. And then you can't say to a mathematician, like, well, it's just a language, it's a convenience. It doesn't describe anything because then they get all upset. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and you can't tell an engineer like well you're lucky that you found a language that explains that it's like well this is the only language that explains this and thus it has to have so yeah the physicist at that point gets left out of the, uh, left out of the conversation <laughs> left out of the cold <laughs> Dude, I, should have, I should have this thing create a, uh, an engineer a uh, physicist and a mathematician walked into a bar joke yes yes and see if it makes any sense and we'll maybe end with that that's cr that's crazy. Um, I'm not even going to ask him. Ask another question. For ask, us. Ask, what did you call question. it again? A hyper complex number? Hyper complex number. God yeah. damn it! No. If I run into <laughs> another engineer, I'm done. <laughs> Stop talking to me. Now I'm gonna go down the rabbit. Do you ever hole. have? I'm gonna start going do down the rabbit like hole and not understand like, shit, <laughs> and then I'm gonna give up. What we do? <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. We need to bring him back. Yes. I mean, it's different because I I do video. He does graphics, photo, and he. Does the he does the managing? But I also do. But I also he also do. Does I can also do. I can also do like uh, um, like CAD drawings and stuff yeah. like so that. So yeah, he's I more was going to say you you're just the the media people for the thing, or are you? Uh, or a mix he's of a, yeah. he's, a, he's I'm just yeah, I'm he's just, uh, he's also a concrete expert. I have a PhD in concrete, yes. so I'm also a doctor. You don't have a PhD. He's definitely not. Oh, a he's also he he also worked as a tax. Uh, uh, I'm a, I wanted to. I'm a wannabe accountant. He he worked as an accountant and uh, got a bunch of people. He's out of full so. shit. John yeah. is a self-proclaimed woodmaster and chess master. Uh, plumber, neither neither of those things are a thing. You, what are you like? He's, really good at chess? I mean, he's probably really good at chess. He's a truck driver because My his dad a is a truck driver. Uh, so he's he's genetic? got a lot of, I guess. But I'm also <laughs> the only one qualified out of those three to back up a trailer. So, ah. but he's not actually qualified. He just knows how to do it. There's no. There's no. Did you not just hear somewhere. the last hour and a half what he said that the guy 
turning the wrench is as valuable. I'm not saying that you don't know how to back up a trailer. I'm saying you do, but I'm not. I'm saying oh, that you claim, are not. You're not claiming me. You don't have like, so a certificate, uh, certificate. Okay. that says I'm a backer-upper expert. Okay. You should, okay. You should make one. I am going to print one off now because I don't think there's you one should. out there. No, now. Enter some, there's bound to be a competition. Like world champion. There's got to be. A, yeah, there's got to be. We start it. You have to be the the best at something. I I would no. like to know what the best no. what that thing is because everybody has to be like the best now something. I don't think I qualify for the best of in any of the categories. You don't think so? No, because then there's someone that does it full time all the time has done it for so many years that could be possibly the best. But then you start thinking about where's the peak of the best. If I make these screws my whole life, at what age was I the best? Because then I start. I'm young. I'm getting used to it. I'm good. And, and then, then somebody improves old. it somehow. I, I got. Yeah. I got yeah. one. Oh, great! But you have like if if, if you have to not, tell us if it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, well, I guess we'll gauge whether he laughs or not. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I I suck at reading Can too. Can AI so. make him laugh? An engineer, a mathematician, and a physicist walk into a bar. The bartender looks up and says, "What is this? Some kind of joke?" Ignoring the quip, they all take a seat at the counter. The physicist orders a whiskey on the rocks, commenting on the fascinating interplay of temperature, fluid dynamics, and entropy in the melting ice. The mathematician, with a smirk, orders a zero-proof cocktail, explaining that he's interested in the combination in the in the combinatorial complexity of mixed drinks, even without alcohol. Lastly, the engineer orders a beer straight from the tap. No need to overcomplicate it, he says. A well-engineered process delivers the right product every time. As the night progresses, they debate the nuances of their respective disciplines, uh, their conversation flowing as smoothly as their drinks, painting a vibrant tableau of science and camaraderie. They each offer unique insights into the simplest uh, situations, providing once again that reality is all complexity is simple. This joke sucked. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. I've, I've lost this guy. The, the, <laughs> Are we still I'm in the bar? I'm drink now. Like, I've gone outside for a second. Okay. You were yep. right. Yep. Yeah, terrible. this is terrible. We need to have a part two, man. There's so much yeah. shit we didn't talk about. Yeah. That's fine. We got. You're going to be here a couple months, right? Yep. Ish. Yep. Yep. Nice. He moves yeah. his trailer. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> fuck these guys. He's like, not anymore. You know I what? was, but I'm, not anymore. Yeah, I'm, I moved across uh, the... the He's like, I went to the whole Parked in that in that hole over there. It's up to Rigby. Oh man, <laughs> we have a shop. That would be that would be pretty harsh because I'm going to learn about hypercomplex numbers for at least a few minutes. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> next, like, next time next time you come back, we'll have uh, we'll have Craig here explain that number and then you correct him. Oh, I, I can try. It's, it's it's a thing. I'm I mostly it's wrenches and occasional math, but yeah, it's, I'm recreationally interested in this. Just philosophically. Recreational? Yeah. Just philosophy. For fun? The, the you've, never, you've never gotten into philosophy, like, at all? Philosophy is yeah, cool, man, but... Bro, for my fun, is farm simulator. Mm, yeah, okay. I, I should not have even asked that question. I, I knew the answer. I'm sorry. Is there a the question you had for any of us? Do you play farms? <laughs> <laughs> I was driving around today and just... He, he does simulations at, for work. At the age of play. five, all I wanted to do was drive a tractor. And there is a part of me that just wants to drive a tractor. Well, Leo well, owns a tractor. We have a tractor. Here. We might be able to make that happen. What if you made like a nuclear battery for a tractor and drove it around with that? How long and would it last? Never a nuclear tractor. Yeah, how long would that battery last, theoretically? Depends on the size of the battery and the half-life. And how much excess power you need? Farm simulator is a lot cheaper, man. I don't think I would <laughs> buy. Yeah, less, we're talking, less like, we're talking like a lot of miles, though. I don't know if people out there would buy 
buy food that was harvested by a tractor that runs on nuclear though you never know that's people fine. are it's fine get, it'll be it'll skittish. be protected people you don't, don't get vaccines you don't be, tell people. Be anyway so um yeah so before right. we end this we oh. have something for you oh every guest on our podcast probably got thrown in the garbage gets a challenge coin uh okay. i don't know if that's a thing in australia or not a challenge what does the challenge the involve is this a okay so it Came at, at, challenge coins, my understanding is that they actually came about as a military thing. And uh, what it was is you would get a coin for different um, units you were in or different things you had done. Mm-hmm. And when they would go drink, whoever had like the like least important challenge coin would buy the round, would buy the first round. And so they would all have, everyone we'll would have you're going to get stuck with the bill. Pull out now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... But now, nowadays, a lot of a lot of companies in the U.S. Like that's why I say I don't know if it's a thing in Australia or not. But a lot of companies in the U.S. that are involved in, in some way with military stuff, will make challenge coins as like a, a commemorative thing or as like a, a for important events, things like that. So yeah, we're, yeah you we're pull that the, out there and you're like, what the yeah. fuck is so this? So the only way to get the coin is to be on the podcast. We were about to arm the yeah. Army you can't of, buy it. You can't. I mean, you could probably sell it. I we guess. do have the biggest podcast in Yukon. That's true. Barely. Doubtless, doubtless. Until Jake, the chief of police, starts one. And oh, we'll, we'll, no, we'll, we'll, or, battle. we'll battle with him. Or we'll, you start one. Ours will be way better. Leo is running for mayor of Yukon. Yeah. If you start one, we have your we're screwed. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I don't know if there's competition. I don't think he can vote. Can you vote? He can vote. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to figure it out. He'll vote. I don't know if I can vote. Is I, we'll find get, a way. I'll get someone else to cast We'll get you a ballot. <laughs> don't you worry right? about that. That's illegal. We're is running it? the joint. I Even in so. UConn. If you get somebody to vote for you, yeah, that's pretty illegal. Don't we just like, so? make our own rules here? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. yeah. We also host the biggest we do what we want. show in, in Leo in basically UConn. owns UConn, so yeah. Just, yes, it's, mm. it's in good hands. I yeah. Feel. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. More head per capita, for sure. More what now? I don't know. <laughs> okay, thank you for joining yeah. us. <laughs> Dude, we almost, <laughs> we almost made it through a whole podcast where we actually talked about smart stuff and... And then John just yeah ruined, ruined it. But now I'm, I'm sorry. my brain's drained. <laughs> I have to go get my gerbil back on the wheel. I'll yes. My, but anyway, my, can you push that top? Uh, thank you for being on, on the show. On the thing, can you push the green button over there on the on the thing? Right, the green There's thing. The green yeah, button. No, no the push. green button. I'm colorblind, man. Craig. No. <laughs> that's the wrong button, sir. No, that's the right one. Push the one. Push right the one right below that one. Right below the green one. No, no, no. Above that one. Right below the green above one. Above the green one. I had no idea how no, this is. Yeah, push that button again. Push the top, button. Top turn right it back one. off. No, no. Turn it back off. Push the left top one. Top <laughs> the red one? Yeah. And then, and then push, push the, the one, one to the right of it. Yeah. There we there go. go. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Fuck you, Craig. Thank you. Thank you for having me.